Good morning and welcome to the Tech Central podcast. My name is Daniel Robus and I am recording from the home studio in a gloomy Johannesburg. Luckily, I've got a cup of coffee that is sponsored by a company up the road, one of the home coffee makers. They're called Hired Gun and I paid for it. So it's not technically sponsored, but it's a flippin' great blend. If ever you're there, they make a really good cup of coffee. I've got a cappuccino mix from South America, I believe. So whilst the supply chains are still there and still operating, get the beans. Today we're in for a treat. We are in to interview a young leader from South Africa, not so young, but certainly looking young. Wayne, the CEO of Cyberwave Business Solutions, who is well known for being in the connected space as a dynamic leader, described as not only a breath of fresh air, but a bit of a whirlwind in his space. And Wayne, thank you for giving us this time on a Friday morning. I know how busy you are. Morning, Daniel. Very well, thanks. And yourself? I'm super duper. I'm surrounded by positivity. Wayne, what do we need to know about you as a leader in Cyberwave? So Daniel, just a little bit about my background is I've been in the telecoms industry now for, you know, well over 20 years. And my background is technical. I started out in customer support, supporting customers at a company called UUNet. We were subsequently bought out by MCI, who then went into Chapter 11 and were taken over by Verizon. And so I cut my teeth getting an understanding of how networks and networking works and just enjoyed fixing problems. At that stage, what had happened was there were a few opportunities presented to me to get into product development and sales and other areas of the business. And I think it was a great time if I look back at it, you know, in terms of where telecoms comes from. There weren't many competitors out in the market. And telecom, funny enough, back then was still very much the incumbent in terms of connectivity, voice services. And cloud wasn't even, you know, wasn't even a a very a very distant thought back then yeah. because you know we were dealing with 64k DigiNet lines so, so there you go I've given my age away oh my word yeah the kids of today won't know the pain we went through absolutely yeah so you know moved on from there as the story goes MTN acquired Verizon or the South mm-hmm. African and African entities of Verizon and so I moved across to MTN and enjoyed the time it was around the 2010 World Cup and I must be honest sure. you know just Talking about it, you know, just that experience of going through it during those times was really awesome. Thereafter, I moved on to a specialized cloud email provider. And it was because I wanted to get a better understanding of how email works. You know, I had a little bit of experience around the technicalities of DNS. I'm just fascinated about how things work. And I think that's kind of helped me over the years to kind of get to where I am. After some time at a cloud email company, I was headhunted to move over to Dimension Data, and that was in end users. So providing solutions to companies for their end users. And I managed a large team there, and I had a great executive that I reported into, kind of took me under his wing. And that's where I think, you know, I started to kind of rapidly grow in that space. Not long After that, I was approached by our current group CEO of Cyberwave who said to me, Jonathan Mason, he said to me, look, can we have a cup of coffee? I want to tell you about our business. And I had met Cyberwave at a previous kind of role that I had, so I knew a bit about them. 
but I didn't understand fully what they were doing. They seemed like quite a small company, almost niche if you wanted to put it that way. And after I met with Jonathan, I kind of just had this kind of feelings of grandeur of my time at UUNET. It felt like this company, you know, potentially could go places. And he uncovered exactly what their business does, who their customers are, what his vision for it is. And he's an entrepreneur at heart, and he wanted to work with somebody who had the corporate experience, entrepreneurial as well. I had also tried out a couple of things. I built a product at that time, and don't laugh at it, as I had done a bit of traveling whilst I was at Verizon, and I was in Germany sitting in the airport, and I saw a kiosk, and I thought, well, that's amazing. Why don't we have those in South Africa? So I came back, and I built it up and had a minimum viable product, as they would call it, yeah. you know, in startup space these days, took it to market. And sadly, after about two years of, of trying to push it, couldn't really get the volumes that I needed to. So I pivoted back into the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So I started in CypherWave then in 2015 and have been but there their, ever since. Their positioning then wasn't as sexy as now. You've recently taken a new position in the market and you've rebranded and you're creating a new identity. Tell us a little bit about where does software position itself today? We're in the telecommunications space, but if you had to go down a tier, we're an internet service provider. Within the internet service provider space, Daniel, you know, there's various tiers of providers. You get providers who self-provision. So they buy infrastructure directly from the fiber network operators or directly from the cable network systems. You know, we have cables running on east and west coast of Africa that connects us into the world, which gives us the crazy Internet that we know and experience in South Africa. So where we sit as Cypher waivers, we're a tier one ISP. So we buy all of our infrastructure directly from the fiber network operators being liquid telecoms, Dark Fiber Africa, OpenServe, which is the wholesale division of Telcom. But back in the day, CypherWave, you know, this year we're 11 years old, started out offering wireless connectivity. And the view there was fiber back then wasn't easily accessible and the infrastructure was quite limited, especially in the outer line areas of Gauteng. It was difficult to get decent connectivity. So they partnered and they put up towers with partners and they started providing connectivity. And very quickly, what Jonathan realized was as DFA started to establish itself was that, you know, fiber is a real opportunity to be a disruptor to what Telcom was offering at the time, as well as Neotel at the time. And so he started to pivot from wireless and focused a lot of piggybacking on the back of DFA's fiber. At the same time, there was a vision to develop some sort of a hosting service So we started building out our own data center, which is in our offices in Midrand. And the view there was to offer customers the ability to move some of their business critical services into a secure facility that has dual power and air cons. All of the, you know, the requirements, the minimum requirements that a data center requires to operate. And so that was kind of where Cypher started to diversify back then just from connectivity by adding some hosting And I would say some cloud services back then. We also offered our own hosted exchange service, which was one of the first cloud products aside from hosting that we had offered where we had the ability to to give customers who were using on-premise service hosting. And that's kind of where we started out. And the business from then has just really been focusing on getting better. 
growing its footprint out in the connectivity space by connecting to as many providers that we could to make sure that wherever our customers were, you know, we could be there. You fast forward five years and it's been pretty much much of the same from a strategic focus. Only four years ago, Daniel, what we decided was we started to kind of focus a lot more on voice. We saw that a lot of our customers were looking for a holistic service. They didn't want to have, you know, one aspect of their service with one provider and the other with another. To put it into context, you know, voice is very much dependent on connectivity. Mm. So you would have your connectivity with CypherWave and your voice with another provider. And if your voice experience is poor, then, you know, it becomes a he said, she said. Mm. And customers started to show this in their conversations with us. So again, what the business then did was to kind of just put a voice service together. And that was the birth, you know, of our voice offering. Fast forward five years, all of our core service offerings, we've We've grown our infrastructure tremendously wow. from a connectivity perspective. We view ourselves as, as one of the most connected internet service providers. And I know it sounds cheeky to say that. Five years ago, we started a fiber to the home company called Home Connect. And it's connected to 28 fiber network operators across wow. South Africa. Wow. It's almost for me, counterintuitive, it seems like everybody's saying we need more data. People are using data, we're going data, and you going backwards into voice, giving a customer one area that they need to go to. How does this impact your existing clients, this repositioning, for want of a better word? That's a very good question. I always tell the team, as well as some of our customers as well, if you look at our business, we actually have three business units inside of it. So we're running a connectivity business, we're running a cloud business, and we're running a voice business. One of the things that we decided to do was, I think in order to be really good at something, you need to have focus. So what we did was we started focusing on ensuring we had the right technical skills. So we have networking engineers, we have voice engineers, we have cloud engineers, and that allows us to kind of ensure that we can support the customers. So we don't have a voice engineer doing networking-related work when they're network-related products. So as part of our strategy, we wanted to deal directly with the fiber network operators because mm-hmm. that does give you the ability to almost fine-tune what that customer experience is, cutting out anybody in the middle. And then from a support perspective, we wanted to have the hands or the resources within the business. We didn't want to outsource it as well. So a lot of how we define who we are is based on our focus on ensuring that we have as much control of the delivery of the service. And that's pretty much how we're able to manage it. Over the last five years, five and a half years, we've just been focusing more and more on improving and also adding better systems, which is something that's probably more critical now than it was, you know, 10 years ago. So if you control the delivery of the service, you can thereby dictate the quality of service that you're giving to customers. And that's a good pull factor why people should be embracing this voice area for you. Why should new customers come to you? I think a lot of businesses, not just now, 
Mm. But it has been an inevitable buildup of companies looking for service. They're looking to deal with a provider that understands how their business works. We have customers across all spectrums of the business vertical sector. So we have retail customers and whether you're a car dealership who is sitting on our voice platform, one of the most important things for that business is the ability to communicate with their customers. Now, don't get me wrong, Daniel, every company needs to be able to communicate with their customers. But the reason I'm using a dealership is because typically, if you look at the way the market has been, and if you look at the car sales data, you'll see how there's a massive strain on that sector. So there's a high dependency on availability of the people to service their customers, whether you're taking your vehicle in for a service or whether you've published a vehicle for sale in Autotrader, for example. So there is a high dependency on availability of the telephone lines. And if somebody calls in that wants to buy a vehicle and if those telephones are not online, there's a potential loss of sale. And I'm talking from personal experience because, like I said, I come from a technical background. A lot of the times I get very much involved in opportunities with our sales teams and with our customers. I love to understand how things work. So whilst our sales team talk about the product and the pricing, I typically want to understand from the customer, you know, how their business works and how they get product off their shelves and into their customers. So if we take the customer you know, who's operating a car dealership, if their connectivity goes down, it becomes quite paramount because the customer can't put in the service, the customer can't buy the product. And so there, that service differentiator is understanding that what have we provided them as a risk mitigation option to make sure that we can mitigate the risk. It's not about selling a product, it's about saying to the customer, have we looked at an alternative connectivity failover for you And also making sure that the team inside the business understand that when customer X calls in, it's not another technical problem. That's a business in distress. We need to respond quickly and make sure we can resolve in the quickest possible time. You know, the school where my kids go, quite often the switchboard is down because the lines are down. There's a potential sale for you there. I love that. What I wrote down there was, High availability is important. Don't lose sales because you can't be contacted. And I get your point there. And I can understand why one basket lessens the complexity on the customer. I think that makes a lot of sense. Where are you seeing new growth in the company, the market, and South Africa? What's the next frontier for you where you think, sure, there's some bucks to be made there. There's an impact to be made there. That's a very good question. And the last 12 months have been quite interesting in terms of looking at where we are at the moment. A lot of businesses in the last 12 to 18 months have focused on just survival. And we had a similar scenario where we looked at where we were as a business. And um, what we realized is that times do look relatively tough at the moment, but we're always the glass half full kind of people. And that kind of entails us looking a little bit ahead. So a lot of our focus is in the following areas. One of it is in cloud. The reason I say that is actually in the last eight months, I say eight to 10 months, we actually did a technology refresh in our cloud environment and we reinvested back into newer technology for cloud. 
The reason why I say that is if you look at it just over the last 18 months, the adoption to cloud has actually done a hockey stick curve kind of growth where companies, you know, had been forced to work from home as a result of lockdown rules and companies have been forced to adopt a more decentralized strategy of what they do with their infrastructure. So we looked at where we were and we were running quite stable cloud infrastructure. But what we looked at was how does this help us in the next three to five years? And if the big adoption is coming rapidly, would we be able to keep up with that growth, not just with new customers? What about the existing customers whose now data footprint was starting to increase by multiples? So cloud is where we're focusing our immediate short-term just to ensure that we stay in the game, we stay relevant, and we have the ability to offer customers flexibility. When we look a little bit further reaching, so beyond the three to five years, it's looking at things like AI. And I know AI is a big fad for most people right now because it's almost like talking about the future of things. But there is a lot that's happening in that space. I was in a position last year in December. I went out to a conference in Dubai, uh, the JITEX conference, which was quite amazing. It gave me the ability to meet with a lot of companies who are doing a number of things within the technology space. And I was amazed to see how companies are using AI to improve on current systems. And that's where I just, I was caught up with it because we weren't talking about we need to be able to, you know, build the next Genesis from Terminator, you know, later on. It was about looking at how I could find an opportunity to bring technology into my existing customer base. And Daniel, when I talk about my customer base, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of a, of a customer who is a manufacturer that manufactures bearing seals. So for me, it was looking at the technology and saying, how can I help that customer get that product from production directly through the value chain of off their shelf and back to their customer whilst minimizing their overheads? And what can that technology do to improve that customer's business? So you look at a company that's running massive CMC processing machines, and these machines cost hundreds of millions of rands, and they usually have, you know, a 25-year or so lifespan in it. And so if you look at where the economy is right now, for me, when I was at the conference looking at some of the tech, you know, my mind was racing and I was thinking, how could I go back to that customer saying, here's a piece of technology that's going to help manage and maintain the maintenance system mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. those machines whilst it's reading RPM data as the machine spins and tells you that instead of a quarterly cycle of services you need to do, you need to bring that closer and that will take, you know, the operational efficiency to 30 years. And that's kind yeah. of what I'm looking at. I'm a believer. I'm such a fan of robotics, robotic process automation. I love where it's going. I cannot wait for it to become more and more mainstream and I think the sooner we embrace it, the more it can do for services, the more it can do for companies. Right. Here's a tough question. What would your mom say you do every day? <laughs> I'm laughing because, um, man, my mom. Come on. So give me a, what would you, what's your mom's name? What's your my, mom? My, my, mom's, my mom's name is Lorraine. 
Lorraine, <laughs> shout out to Lorraine. Come on. How's it, Lorraine? My mom calls me every now and again, and she still thinks that I work back in 2002 when I used to work night shifts and weekends. And she'll call me and she'll be like, uh, son, you know, I'm not sure if you're working uh, this weekend. I'm just calling and I'm like, mom, no. I mean, I do work a lot, but I mean, I don't have to yeah. work on yeah. um, no, my baby, are you still doing the email server? Is that it? <laughs> so no, she thinks I, you're a techie, eh? She thinks you're she does. Does. She Now, does. no man is an island. With a couple of determined friends, we may be able to steal one. But no man is an island. You have a team around you. Who your go-to folk that make it happen? I want a shout-out to them as well. Who is around you? Because you're not always contactable. Who is your core? Our business has seen some amazing growth over the last six years. We actually repositioned the business and 18 months ago where we had promoted a number of staff members within the business into our executive team. So I have a chief sales officer. His name is Rajan Poonan, an amazing guy. I've worked with him a number of times over the years. And he looks after and heads up our sales and manages the entire sales team. I have a chief HR officer, Narasha Pabu. She's amazing, looks after all of the people elements. In fact, Narasha looks after HR within the group of companies. So she looks after HR for our fiber to the home company, Home Connect as well. And she has a team under her. Then heading up one of the most important areas of the business, which is cloud. There's a gentleman who has actually been at CypherWave longer than I have. He celebrated his 10th year this year, Daniel. His name is Casper van der Valt. He is a brilliant mind when it comes to cloud. And he was one of the pioneers in the beginning with Jonathan, you know, getting our cloud mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. So Casper's awesome. And then when we look over from an operation perspective, recently had a new chief operating officer join our business. And that's just because of the expansion. We found that it was quite important to have somebody else alongside me taking care of the operational aspect of our business. And that's Ross James. And he comes with a wealth of experience working in the telecoms as well as IT environment. So it looks at our kind of core team on our exec team. And of course, inside of their respective departments, sorry, I actually forgot one of the most important roles is on the finance side of things. Um, and Martin Cornelius is our group financial manager. Uh, he looks after finance. Well done, Martin. Close the purse strings. Close the purse strings. There we go. There we go. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So an amazing team, Daniel, that really supports us. And inside of the business, I think you're right. You know, no business is about one individual. It, it really is about the people and the team within the business. And it's, Southwave has always been a young, dynamic team. You know, our motto inside of the business is that we're a challenger brand. And one thing that makes us realize where we are every day when we wake up is we look at the larger brands out there and we know the race that we're kind of running. So we've got to be a lot sharper every day. You know, Wayne, the fact that the team is around you and you're promoting internally and building skills internally warms my heart because uh, we struggle with immigration so much in South Africa. And if you can create an environment where people want to be here and see a future, 
we don't have to lose those people. We build this beautiful country. I mean, like, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. If you have to leave a legacy, what is on your epitaph if you leave Cypherwave? What do you want people to remember Wayne to say for? You know, I never really thought about um, about it that because that's quite a deep question. I'm that's very what we much, do, dude. That's what we do. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much a customer-focused problem solver. I think for me, I lead from the front. If there's a problem that's been going on for a while, I am not afraid to jump in and offer assistance to the team. It's about solving problems. It's about learning from your previous mistakes. It's about learning from other people's previous mistakes. And for me, it's about giving yourself that ability to realize you have the capability to solve the problem. So, you know, as a legacy that I'd like to leave to the team, it's just understanding that I have a simple philosophy. There are things that I'm in control of and there are things that I'm not in control of. The things that I'm not in control of, I try and get to a very, very quick resolution that I've pushed it or have I pushed it to the furthest point that I possibly can before I kind of step back from it? Because typically what happens is I'm the type of person that I'm a results-driven person. So when I'm focusing on something that I'm not in control of, it usually affects you, affects your entire mood, the way you see things. So in my mind, I internalize it and ask myself the question, have I take this thing that I'm not in control of as far as I possibly can? And am I satisfied with it? And then I step back. The thing that I am in control of, I push it all the way and see it all the way through. So if that means that I'm dependent on Daniel to help me take it to resolution, I don't leave it with Daniel and walk away. I will still check in with Daniel to see how things are because that has brand me on the back of it. So that is the one philosophy I have. The other one is, and I've said this to my team, is that I believe that 80% of the job that you're doing, you should be able to do it without needing somebody else, 80%. The other 20% is that engagement where you need to be able to get to somebody or I have a dependency on somebody. And to get to that 80%, what I've learned over the years, it's a combination of your effort, a large portion of it is a combination of your effort. How much do you understand about the environment you're in? And then it's about the systems. The systems have become so important to allow for efficiency. And so I speak to my team about this on a daily basis when we're faced with challenges and we're hitting roadblocks mm. and I see how they deal with the challenges and I share with them how I've dealt with some of the challenges. And we come back to the inside of my control, outside of my control. I'm such of a believer. I, I just want to make sure I've got this down here because I'm going to quote you on this. 80% of the job you can do alone, the other 20% you need help. To get to the 80% effectively is a combination of effort plus systems. Use them well. Okay, that's good. Absolutely. What are you most excited about from a technical release in the next six months? Here I'm going to be stuck in what we're focusing on, 
Good. So we've got a number of automation projects that we have running at the moment that we've kicked off in the business. As much as we're still a young company, as you start to build up a base and develop customers, you tend to kind of be stuck in certain systems. Mm. So we have a massive project, which is Automate Everything. And we're busy building out on that. I'm very excited because it kind of talks back, Daniel, to the fundamentals of how I operate, to that 80% principle. Mm. The Automate program is going to make our sales engagement, our customer experience a lot better a lot easier and have the ability to remove some of the barriers. And I'll give you a quick example of that, right? So customers wanting to be able to add on services would have the ability to do this through an app, through a system that they can log into and do it. And if I look at it, a large portion of our team's time is taken up by some very rudimentary questions that customers are asking relevantly, but it's because we haven't given them access to it. So that's the one thing that we're busy with, and it's going to really change And I think somewhat mature our business a bit more because we're making that experience a lot better. Yeah. We use a combination of systems and people. The next thing is around our specific product stacks. We have a huge focus on security. Okay. And we recently brought on a really, really cool gentleman, Bradley, who joined our business looking after security and voice. And for me, what it's doing for us is we traditionally provided services to customers and it stopped at the device, at the customer. However, the products we're looking to bring in the security space is kind of looking at segmenting for the end user. So how are we protecting the customer getting to those cloud services? Mm. So it kind of encompasses this zero trust viewpoint where we're saying, how do we set up systems to assist users from being compromised. And of course, once the user is compromised, the system is compromised because if I know Daniel's password, man, I could get into anything. So security is a massive focus in terms of what we're doing on SD-WAN and firewalling at the perimeter edge for customers. Then when we look at cloud services, how we're protecting customer services all the way down to their apps. And then when we look at the end users, how we're protecting our customers in terms of endpoints. So all the way down to the device. And it excites me to talk about it because it's a very I can see. I can see. What are you working on with your direct team for the next quarter? So building up to the end of the year. Aside from our strategy that we kind of set out, we usually work according to a long-term view. So we have a five-year plan and inside of that, a 2030 vision. So we're currently at our half year at the moment and we kind of refocused the next six months and we've had to start doing that as a result of COVID last year. So in the next six months, our focus is really around our customer engagement. We've seen a lot of our customers, you know, have been very, very busy trying to sustain their businesses. And what we've seen is we've lost a bit of touch. We've all been exceptionally busy, whether it be in lockdown or whether it be in our personal capacity. And so we don't have access to the traditional means of connecting with each other. So there's a larger focus around our customer engagement, you know, connecting back to our customers and trying to find innovative ways to be able to do that just so we can connect and see how, you know, how their businesses are doing and where we could possibly assist if possible at all. The second portion, and that's more of an external perspective. The second portion of it is, you know, with a lot of change, you mentioned earlier around the rebranding. 
And traditionally, when people think about rebranding, it's around massive, big splurges of changes. And ours was more subtle. We changed our business name from Cyberwave Storage Solutions to Cyberwave Business Solutions. And the reason for that was we acquired a company called Broadlink last year in July of 2020 from Rain. And that's been an immediate focus post the acquisition last year of mine to get that business integrated into Cyberwave. So there's a focus around raising more awareness around Cyberwave business. And we did a lot of work with Cyberwave storage solutions. So we want to make sure that you know our customers are not concerned about who we are as well as the market. So there's a focus around brand. And then internally, you know, what I'm driving with our teams is around our automation projects that we have. And then there is the last, but certainly not the least, is a big focus around our people. The last 18 to 24 months has actually taught us how important just connecting with some of our people are. Daniel, we've had a remote workforce as well through COVID. But what we found was, you know, some of our teams actually wanted to come back into the office and we've tried to keep the numbers in the office as low as possible. But we realized that, you know, people also got tired of their four walls and they wanted a change of scenery. So where we had an approach of saying we want to minimize the numbers in the office, apart from some teams, we've now given some of our teams the flexibility to come in. So those are the four main areas that, you know, I'm constantly engaging with our team from. And the whole idea around that is focusing on the here and now. The most immediate thing in the market is to make sure that we can support our customers as best as possible. We have a whole bunch of new customers who we're getting to understand and know and partners as well that we're working with. And we're trying to align with them. We're trying to get them to understand what we do understand a lot more of what they do. And so this year has literally been really a a lot of refocusing ourselves as a business. And then also just ensuring that all the moving parts, Daniel, are work in progress. As I said, we have quite a new executive structure. So also part of my role is supporting them as well. And just making sure the production line in CypherWave is actually working because it's a people business and sometimes you disconnect, you need to reconnect. It sounds like you've got a busy run into the Christmas season. As a wrap-up, Wayne, what advice do you have for customers who might never be a Cyberwake client when it comes to this new world and new connectivity and considering their connectivity? What advice would you give them? 100%. Yeah, so I have a very simple philosophy myself when I look for services. I want to connect with a supplier or a provider who understands my business, who takes the time to understand why I'm buying the service that they're offering. And I want to understand how their support works. Coming from a support environment, I know how and I understand how to support customers. And that's why I've always made myself available to our customers from a contact perspective. So I think when companies look for providers, you want to firstly make sure how many people in the value chain are there between the product and yourself. So that value chain is quite important because that talks about how are you able to ensure the guarantees that you're offering. The second thing is in terms of your support structure, how would you support me? What structures do you have in your business? How do you operate? Where do you operate from? Because that's important. When I need you, I want to be able to reach out and you will be there. And thirdly, 
you know, where is your business going? Nobody wants to buy from a supplier who doesn't have a long-term view because you start to put your risk into that supplier's basket. And if that supplier doesn't have a longer reaching view, then potentially you're just increasing the risk into your own business. One of the fundamental reasons why we wanted to buy directly from the FNO is to control as much as we could. We wanted to insource and make sure we had the support mechanisms in place and the people to support our customers. And I think most importantly, we're a South African-based business. You know, shareholders are South African and the majority, if not all of our people are South African. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, Wayne, that is a great segue into a wrap-up. You have been an absolute star as a guest today. I hope our audience and our listeners and viewers get the energy that I'm getting from today. Thank you for giving us your Friday morning. I hope it's an amazing weekend, and I hope you don't have to work so you can go and have a cup of tea with mom. From my side, Daniel Robus, Tech Central, would just like to thank you for giving us a little bit of your time, and good luck for 2021-2022 and that 2030 vision. Be the South African success story we want. Great stuff, Daniel. Lovely to chat to you and take it easy. Have a lucky day. Bye.